Diamond hands, baby. Diamond hands. Welcome back to another episode of the Refactored Podcast, where it's our goal to suck a little less every day. My name is Chris Tonkinson. And my name is Frank Cole. And this is episode number 31, recorded July 20th, 2021. Frank, sorry about that. Before I have these new headphones and they're like aluminum cans mm-hmm. and they smack the shock mount on my mic sometimes. <laughs> and it's like this very loud jolt inside my head when this happens has disoriented me completely. I'm totally <laughs> off my totally off balance now. This is going to be a horrible show. Everybody should hang up now. Well, you should. I mean, you should try and do the 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 inverted hang the way that I've got it, so the mic is actually upright rather than upside down. So, you know, then, I did that for almost ten. Not there. I did that for almost a decade. I just I don't. This is preferable to me to have it hang. What I may do though is just put a rim of foam, like just glue a rim of yeah. foam to the outside of the shock mount. I never had this problem with my with my bows because uh, even if they did hit, it's plastic. It didn't. This is metal on metal, and so it like rattles this my is, cage. The, the 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 what you're describing here with the foam sounds like the the real world equivalent of a code smell to me. I, I don't know. It's uh... <laughs> no, it's a Christian. Uh, uh, no, no, well, maybe. Is, uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna put some foam on the on the It'll thing. It'll be fine. Yeah, I'll just to, I'll to, just glue this on the side here. It'll be gonna, fine, that's guys. Right, I'm just gonna. That's right. I'm just gonna <laughs> write this little side script. This this 300 line code side script that I'll run once a week. It'll be fine. There's no big deal. It's it's not, not no, do no, no. I won't document it. I won't write tests for it. I don't It'll need be to. It's super deployed. tiny. It's super. It's totally it's so self-evident. Small, guys. It's so small. I mean, I'll be able to explain. I understand it completely. To, if anyone takes over, they'll be able to understand it just by reading it. It, it makes total sense. <laughs> and they'll know where to look for it. It's obvious. I, right. The obvious, it's the most obvious place, the most obvious code in the most obvious place. And so when, the, when the thing that I do here weekly isn't done, somebody will figure it out. Almost cut instantly. Cut scene, cut scene to the same developer six months later, swearing like a sailor because they don't know what's going wrong or how to fix it. And it's that thing. I was actually, well, I, you could do that. You could also cut scene to that same developer leaving in six months. And, you know, junior, um, what's your, what's the name for you? always use the same name for the, for the junior developer, Jimmy, Jimmy. little Jimmy, uh, little Jimmy. Yeah. So, so little, little junior developer, Jimmy is going to have to come in and figure his way out of a paper bag on this one, <laughs> which historically he is not able to do. Spoiler alert. No, no, no. But but trial by fire. Always a always a, a yeah. good, uh, a good teacher, a very harsh. It teacher, always works. But effective teacher. It is. It is a harsh teacher. Like like last week when we were like, oh, yeah, there's a talent shortage. Why? Why would covid cause that? No, covid didn't cause it at all. It had started before covid and um, was on its way up. Uh, this is just a this is just a well-documented phenomenon. We both got it wrong. This. This this talent really? shortage with technologists has nothing to do with COVID. Uh, no, it's just the fact that according to there must have been. I saw the same number from several different outlets, so I know that there was one report release that everybody reported on. Up, and, you know, sure. um, the numbers in that report that was widely disseminated uh, were that at the time, and I think this was circa 2019 at some point, that there were approximately 1.4 million uh, job openings in you know call it 
technology sector. Okay. And there were approximately 400,000 new grads that year. And, and that, that was not projected to self-correct in the short term. So what we're, what we're staring down the barrel here is just a good old fashioned shortage. We just have more demand than we have supply um, coming into the market to replace retirees at this point is, is what it seems to be based on some research I've done in the last week. Oh, okay. so I don't think this is so you may, you kind of um, had the take that, oh, that should resolve by the end of the year. And like I was on board because why not? I don't you know, maybe it will. Uh, I don't think I think that's too optimistic. I think we're where we are for a little while here. Um, now, it's unclear. They say, OK, there's shortages. Uh, it's unclear how staff aug, like offshore staff aug will come into play like the, you know, the market will fill the void somehow uh, or close the gap somehow. And maybe that's just insane wages. I don't know. Um, but I don't think we're I think we're in the middle best case, hopefully not at the beginning of of this uh, cycle of of. I don't know, contention, just just mismatch between supply and demand. Hmm. Interesting. I yeah. uh, never would have I, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have guessed. So I said, like, I made I, I made a lot of statements last week and <laughs> that was not on the mark <laughs> at all. <laughs> OK, well, I mean, it, I, I guess it uh, I, I mean, I, I guess it is what it is. I haven't I haven't done the, the research. I haven't had any trouble. But then again, you know, the uh, the angle of, uh, you know, I'm on the upper upper part of the curve on the experience side i'm not grabbing i'm not grabbing a lot of lower end you know minimum years experience for me is like 10 years so you know there's a you know going after those senior folks you know they they tend to have their pick of the jobs of course because of their their tenure and and knowledge but they're also not in i don't know they haven't been in short supply for me so I would want to see. Obviously, you'll include well, this in you're the in show good, notes. You're I want good, to see this. I want to. I want to see this. This information. See what they're actually pointing to. Yeah, but you're in. You're in. You're in a little bit of a niche, though, right? Because you're looking for experienced folks. You're looking for experienced folks who want the consulting lifestyle. You you're able to compensate them pretty well. Um, as fully or or a lot of remote, like that's you're stacking yeah. a lot of things up there that are going to put you in a pros. position to be able to find people easily. Um, I think that is a non-representative swath of of overall, you know, tech managers. Yeah. Okay. So I I I hear I hear what you're saying. I also take umbrage with this notion too. <laughs> I I hear what you're saying, and I don't like it. <laughs> well, I don't. I you're right. I don't like it, but it's probably not what you're thinking. Um, the it, it's so yes, there are a lot of benefits lined up for for. You know, I, but that's not that that's a deliberate overt action. You know, there are things there are downsides that I can't avoid, you know, just like mm -hmm. any job. There are pros and cons. And I think it's incumbent on any any team, any 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 company. You, you should be looking to add and bolster your upsides or reduce and at the same time, reduce and eliminate your downsides it's never going to be a hundred percent of one or the other you're, you're you know getting, you're, you're getting kind of abstract on me you're losing you got to ground this a little bit uh, what okay, are you saying so what i'm saying so what i'm saying is yes i've got a lot of pros and cons i worked to get those pros and cons into place and i think that almost any company can do the same thing so if you're in a you know if you're in a a, a boring sector for example so let's 
you know, let's be, you know, something that's not all that attractive. It's you're not working at Google. I don't know what would be the opposite for an engineer coming out of college right now. You know, Google would be the ideal. What's the inverse? I, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, uh, air products. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're, you're doing something super boring in a super boring, tired old paper products or something like that, like a paper production factory. Or- no, no. Air products is, is a, a, a big employer, uh, in oh, it's Eastern the name of a company. Oh, oh, it's yeah. The name of a and company. they do, they do, I don't know, stuff with gas. I don't know what it is that they do. Uh, uh, phase of matter gas, not like petroleum gas. OK. Um, or you could do like, like a food uh, oxygen and CO2 and those sorts of things. And as far as I understand, it's like a, I think it's a Java shop. Maybe it's Java dot net. Right. And it's it it has every I've never worked there. I've known people who have. It's got every feel of like kind of enterprise dark matter developers toiling away of these line of business products that nobody really has any passion for it's kind of what you're describing okay, it's perfect like you, you're not going to stay there very long is my guess okay so you've got okay so you've got a whole bunch of so you got a whole bunch of downside and there's probably some things in there that you can't change obviously the industry itself you probably can't change the location of the company per se um you know so there there, there are things that are probably immutable in there but there are things that you can do to still entice, obviously, one of them being salary benefits, which is also basically another form of salary, you know, your additional costs. But you also have, you know, non-tangible benefits. Uh, my current employer gives away uh, the birthday for free as a, as a PTO day. It's not logged or anything, so it's not even on the ledger as a as a um, um, you know, as a cost. You know, so it's a, it's a, it's you know it's something tiny, for example. So you can you can get creative with these sorts of things. Um, you and I, when we started, uh, when we set up the uh, the uh, the department, the engineering department at our at our at our last uh, mutual gig, we arranged it so that engineers, at least for a little while, were able to build their own computers, and that was a big enticement. The co- the cost was no different. It was just simply how we were approaching that cost rather than just, you know, de facto sending them a laptop. They had an option to underneath of a budget, order the parts and build it themselves. Again, as a nice little perk that was kind of a zero sum change. Uh, you know, so there you should you can and should look for opportunities to do those kinds of things and to improve the situation. And so while yeah, there no, are- no disagreement, but all of this is entirely besides the point. No, I don't like I'm I'm on board with all of this because these are these are they're what you you said they're perks, right? That's the perfect word to use. These are perks. Having birthday off, getting a laptop, whatever these things are, they're perks and they sweeten the deal and nobody's going to complain about that and certainly I don't have anything bad to say about those strategies. I think if you can do them, you should be doing them a because you want to take care of your people. Mm-hmm. Um Not only because, you know, you're not like coldly calculating that just because it attracts people you want to take care of people you have and it's a good thing to do and it it helps the feels and that's all great. Um, But there's a there's a that that's besides the point. You seem to be pointing. The fact is you're looking for you're paying well to fill a niche. Mm-hmm. you're going to have a good time doing that because you're able to pay well and some of the core structure of the thing like mostly being remote is in place and you pay well and you're remote 
yeah, you can fill a niche easily that way, right? Mm-hmm. My point is just that that's not representative. I don't think most, you know, most e- contributor or management jobs yet are there. The companies can't support or won't. All right, let's not go there. Support that. Um, and so it's, it's just going to be easier. For, I'm not saying you're doing something wrong. I'm not no, su- I know saying not. everybody else is doing something wrong. No, no, I'm not suggesting. Um, but if well, I look at it and I say, look, I can go to work for Frank. And I can make $500,000 a year and I get to work from home all the time and I get a free cheeseburger every Tuesday. Oh, man. And I then work for that guy. I could go. I could work for Chris and I have to drive six hours each way to an office. I have to work 90 hours a week. I get paid $23,000 a year and they beat me on alternate Thursdays. But I get a free laptop and my birthday off and all of the perks you could possibly well, imagine. Structurally speaking. That's lipstick on a pig. And I'm not saying all of the jobs that aren't yours are pigs. What I'm saying is all the perks in the world don't aren't meaningful. If like you and I are hiring for somebody, let's say somebody who would be junior on your team would be more senior on mine. Right. Can we would we agree on that? Uh, I mean, it would. It's possible. Sure. I mean, maybe, yeah, maybe. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Maybe. Sure. Okay. If, if, so, for the sake of whatever, wherever you're going with this. Let's, yeah. Let's just go with it. Okay. Maybe. Sure. So if you're offering them $10 and I can offer them two, that's the financials of our individual organizations Mm -hmm. and you're going to get the candidate because I can throw every perk in the world at them and it doesn't make up for the fact that you're able to pay them so much more. Right. Okay. So, uh, all right. All right. So, yes, I was talking about perks, but that... that it was kind of contrived and it was something off the top of my head that I could could simply point to. What I was at, my point was that I see if there is, in fact, a market shortage, I think this is actually naturally, you know, the employees are going to benefit. But I see this as an opportunity for mm-hmm. companies to push for improvements. So, again, you know, our, our goal here in this, you know, with this whole show is to improve as an individual contributor, help you elevate yourself to the point where you can actually then lead teams of individual contributors and start, you know, dipping your toes and moving more into the business side of engineering and software development and IT and all those technical fields, right? Okay. So this is an opportunity on the on the upper scale of that experience level, people who want to improve their company's posture, the fact that there is a staff, that, that there are staffing shortages lends them uh, a nice, big, heavy cudgel that they can swing to try and get things better inside their organization, maybe that they've already seen and haven't necessarily been able to get a get approvals right, so, so, so you're taking, like you're taking dish- my whole thing and you're just doing a hard left and saying oh here's like a here's a thing we can all do to try to make things better for tomorrow and i'm if that's your point like i'm all on board yeah well it, 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 what it you is- said is like we're here to try to improve ourselves in the process and that's like that's wrong i'm here for the sweet advertising dollars <laughs> that we make on this show <laughs> like that's i'm here for the cheddar cheese y'all that's all not right, all that's right, me. You know. How's let's be transparent. <laughs> how's how, how how are those advertise how, how are those advertising dollars coming in from uh, what, career schema dot egg or what's the what's the URL I'll a, again? I'll take a I'll take a photo from within my Tesla on my island and yeah. I'll tell you. Yeah, because we, we we started this uh, we started this show and we just inserted blockchain. And so now we just collect. Just collect I just, dude, dollars. I got, I got Maseratis coming out of my like I'm flush over here. I don't know what. Are you not getting the checks? 
<laughs> so you were my, my point going back to where I started with the point that I was taking umbrage with was, yeah. oh, you know, it's a staff shortage. We're not going to be doing be able to do anything. This was my read of what you were saying. Oh, it's a staff shortage. We're not going to be able to find the people we need. Oh, woe is us. There's nothing we can do. Be- oh, no, 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 no. OK, no, my point was there is a national mismatch between supply and demand. That is not going to solve quickly. I did not. You're you're assuming you 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 inferred well, you or I implied the, you the next the step, which is well, well, is me. There's always going to be hardship and blah blah. And there, no, 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 no. Okay. I'm saying the ex the extant overarching circumstance is that there is a shortage, and this has been documented from pre-COVID times. That is not going to let up anytime soon. Now it makes sense where your mind is. Okay, given that. Yeah, like if if you can't just go and get more money directly, the next best thing is to start looking at those quality of life improvements, the perks. No, now that I understand where your where your mind is, like I'm all in with this. I'm all uh, in. I like I, I, that's a that was some uh, some some really expensive word use there. Extant. I like that. That was that was good. That was, <laughs> did that I get was, did I get my point for the day? That was good. That was really good. Yeah, uh, yes. It, it, there is because I think a lot of people will a lot of companies will just simply, you know, they, they, they get frustrated, but then they never actually do enough self-reflection. You go back to the story I talked about last week with the the major churn rate inside the, the you know, the company where, you know, oh, we just mm-hmm. keep pumping through people. Well, you know, you do that enough. It's a you problem. And a lot. And sometimes the yeah. the uh, sometimes the market forces align against you and you need to adapt to to overcome them. And this is. You know, well, market shortages are a I good think, opportunity to to do that, and so you should you should be angling and arra- rearranging things to to support that. And sometimes it's perks, but yes, it's also money. But the, and it's rearranged. You should it, it should cover the gamut. And I don't think enough. Yeah. I don't think enough people do that. And if you're one of the people who has tried and you haven't succeeded recently, then sh- you know reporting on some statistical shortages. Hey, we were interviewing. Uh, you know, X number of candidates per week two years ago. Now it's, you know, 50% of that number per week. If you can yeah. give those kinds of metrics, now you're going to have something that a decision mm-hmm. maker or somebody who's you're going with your guns loaded. are going to go, you're going in full double barreled and you're going to be able to make some make yeah. a case for them giving you additional money to entice more employees. And then the question becomes, okay, well, yeah. what do we do to fix this? Well, the thing we do to fix this is we make this a less sucky place to work. And here's how we do yeah. that. And then you approach it that way. And so I actually see this as for, for, you know, it's like, um, I think it was Warren Buffett. When people get uh, greedy, I get nervous. And when people get nervous, I get greedy. It, it, for, for people who have the right frame of mind, this kind of a market is actually an opportunity. <laughs> Buy the dip. That's what I just heard. Buy the dip. <laughs> Diamond hands, Hashtag baby. Crypto. Diamond hands. <laughs> GameStop Hashtag to the moon. Lambo. Hashtag crypto. GameStop to the moon. <laughs> GameStop to the moon. How many other how many other stock memes can we throw in here right now? Stonk. <laughs> stonks. I love stonks. All right. So, you know, it's a it, it, so I see it as a, as an opportunity to really actually push for uh, more greatness inside the organization. And yeah. of course, part of that has to be the money. But I, my point in talking about perks and again they were small things to just sort of get the i had just been thinking about them off the top of my head they kind of got the brain juices flowing you got to look at your individual situation you need to get really get creative and I, you know one of the easiest ways 
is, you know, to push for remote work. You know, you talk about that being a, mm-hmm. a, a real differentiator. Yeah, it is. And guess what? Freaking every company can do it. This is the part that blows my mind. It is. Oh, no, Frank. No, it's not going to work here because that's not our culture. Yeah. Yeah. And we want people. How do I, how do ahead, I know going. people are productive if I can't see them all day long? How are, how are we going to have meetings with proper engagement? <laughs> so you, you have to fight that stigma and, and, you know, companies have to to move past that. But it is an easy. Not only is it not a zero cost, it's a net. It's not even net neutral. It's net negative. You are. Well, net positive, guess how you're thinking about the math. You, you walk away with more money like you, you save money doing it in a whole host of different ways. And so you the, the ones that will rise to the challenge of a, of a staff shortage like this are the ones that will come out on top. And again, for for those. You know, for, for, for those audience members who, you know, are, are in positions who who have seen this kind of stuff, who have tried to push for improvements before and maybe they haven't. This presents something of an opportunity to maybe push to to go further, I think, with it. Yeah. And I know this is not at all where you were going with any of this, but to no, me, and if this- you're not and if you're not management that's concerned, <clears throat> if you're if you're not now or currently management who's concerned about filling positions and how hard and expensive that has become. Uh, and you're, you know, you're a contributor. Uh, go look at market rates, shop it around a little bit, right? Yeah, because yeah. there are, I mean, you, <laughs> you, you, uh, you owe it to it, yourself. It you should always have, have an, it, you should have one ear to the track. You should always have one ear it, to the track. It never hurts to have a conversation, right? Shop it around, see what's out there. You may be surprised, and worst case scenario, uh, you might get a counter offer out of it. You know, y- yeah. I mean, you, you, you never know um, you should. But I agree, like you should always keep an ear to the to the tracks. Not only does it, you know, you, you, you never because you <laughs> you and I both know you never know what's going to happen in this situation. Sometimes things happen that are way outside your control. Um, mergers and acquisitions happen. Downsizing happens. Uh, it, it changes in ownership, uh, especially in smaller companies that are more established deaths in ownership. I mean, there's all kinds of things that can happen that are unpredictable and have nothing to do with you having a, a lack of loyalty to the current employer. You owe it to yourself to be, you know, to, 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 to cover yourself. So you should never feel guilty about doing that kind of stuff. And you learn stuff too, simply by keeping an ear out. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody, somebody smart. I was listening to a podcast. Somebody very smart recently said, uh, if you if you die today, your company will have your replacement position open on the market by the end of the month. Oh, yeah. Like, you, yeah, you, the, the company will survive you. Uh, and it's not even not even a question like you, you. And so the, the point is to keep kind of an arm's length. We tend and this is this is partially an American culture thing where. <clears throat> Pardon me, where we we identify with our jobs, probably to an unhealthy level, almost definitely to an unhealthy level. And we we attach to them emotionally, I think, in a lot of cases. Um, and there are you know reasons for that. I, I don't want to go into there, but um, the idea and I and I'm I'm the first person, by the way, and I'm one of these, um, you know, whiny millennials. Um, but I I am the first one to say, like, I think we have. 
lost something in that the the generational culture shift has been that we have lost a sense of loyalty professionally speaking i think that's to our detriment i think i think it's i think it it does not help the economy it does not help people and families that employees have lost a sense of loyalty and also companies have driven everything into a race to the bottom and started more than ever to treat employees like numbers and so those two things don't happen separately well hold on those two things oh hold on a second hold on a second so first of all Thank you for the compliment on on how smart I was. You know, you listen, you obviously listened to our episode from last week where I mentioned you caught that. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, that yeah. was that was very kind of you. I, I appreciate it. But but I don't want the I, audience. I didn't want the audience confused about who you might be speaking about. So I just want to make it clear, <laughs> you know, who or whom. You God, were speaking this is about. why I don't compliment you to your face. It's just it's insufferable. <laughs> You suck, Frank. <laughs> okay, so so that's the, that's the first thing. That's the first thing. Second thing with 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 what you're just you're, you're talking about this. We just talked about how it's good to keep an ear to the tracks, and you should actually keep an ear out. Mm-hmm. And you talked about how they you know the company will have your your position open in, inside thirty days, and then you yeah. and then you also lament a lack of loyalty. I, I, I'm 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 feeling some some disconnect here. I'm not. On the one hand, I thought we were going in the direction of you, you should not feel any a false sense of loyalty. And now you're saying, oh, well, we're missing this this loyalty thing. And I'm, I'm arguing. I'm, no, I'm, no, no, I'm arguing for balance. Right. Okay. Because the back end of that is companies of treat treating people like numbers. Right. You're not you're not your individual human with your experience and value to the organization. You are your employee ID number. Uh, right. That's oh that's man, what we that's were just saying a, a moment ago. Yeah, that's what we were just. No, no, no. That's what we were just saying a moment yeah. ago. Where you you shouldn't feel bad for shopping it around yes. when that's appropriate. Right. So if you don't feel like you're being valued, if you don't, and that 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 might mean in terms of like recognition and fulfillment, or it may mean monetarily, if you're not being valued, if you're not being respected, shop it around, right? Mm-hmm. Because if you get hit by a bus tomorrow, your position will be filled in a month, right? That's not even. I mean, nobody. It's, there it's, are. Okay, so the difference. So, so my my thinking here, there are there's a difference between the logistical reality. If you die, there's an opening. We have to fill it. We have to keep doing what we need to do to do our jobs. Okay, that 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 is the, that's a logistical reality as a fact, and nothing's going to change that. And I don't see anything. I don't see anything good or bad about it. It's just simply something that is. The thing about treating employees like a number. Yes, some companies do that. Also, yes, even inside companies that are good about this sort of thing and good about employee satisfaction, you get enough degrees removed from the individual and there isn't enough there isn't enough emotional quotient there to even build a thing on. You know, if you have the lowest level and even this, I'm going to I'm also I'm counterbalancing, I'm counter arguing myself even as I think about this, but I'll continue with the analogy for the sake of the conversation here. You know, you take your lowest level mailroom clerk and you know how to succeed in business without really trying kind of storyline right you've got you know the, the low level person and then you've got the no 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 in- interdepartmental logistics facilitator wow wow you uh i can't that was right off, that was, my that head. Was right like off that? the top of your head that was Thank impressive you. i was like did you Thank just you. i appreciate did it you just come up with that like literally I just, just now came up with it. 
Like that was, I mean, yeah, that was, that was good stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm actually slightly it. impressed. Yeah, that was good. All right, sorry, I didn't mean to derail you. No, no, that's really good. <laughs> so uh, that's got to be part of the title now. By the way, it's got to be part of the, got to be part of the <laughs> episode title. So if you've got the, this low level mailroom clerk or whatever the hell it was that you just said. The words have already <laughs> flown out of my head, and 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 their ability to uh, connect and relate to the CEO. You know, that, that's a that's a pretty significant gap in in daily experience and and daily focus and things like that. But it doesn't mean that the mail clerk's manager doesn't care about that individual and wants to see them succeed and, uh, and learn and grow, whether it's inside their organization or somewhere else. I, because and, and, and I and this is what I do with with my own team. I try and facilitate them being connected with as much of the rest of the organization as I possibly can. I can't make the CEO schedule any less insane, though, to get him uh, in the room with anyone on my team. But I can say I'm here for you and I'm, and I'm here to help and I want you to grow and succeed. And it's my objective to make you successful in this role and grow and evolve beyond this. And hopefully as you evolve, you're, you evolve to a new role inside our organization. But if you grow and now you've outgrown us then that's then that's that's on us. And, yep. you know, and, and even that that is a business reality. You know, I have a very frank conversation, pardon the pun, when I have, no, uh, I, you know, I never pardon that one. <laughs> so when I have when I have departing employees, I make it very clear to them. You made a personal business, a personal professional decision to advance yourself. And it went in a direction where it wasn't aligned with our organization. Yeah, that disappoints me personally because I like working with you and I want you to stick around and I want you to be continue to contribute to my team. And you, the void that you are leaving is going to, you know, that's going to be tough to fill. But you're you're doing this, to, you know, for yourself. And, you know, I can only be supportive of you making that decision. OK, so I say all of this to say that. I think that. I, I don't think it's that black and white. I think there are logistical realities that some people sometimes get mixed up with with, uh, you know, a lack of emotion, like your 30 day, you know, if you die thing. OK, that's just a logistical reality. The company isn't bad for doing that. There's also an expectation of all the, you know, the good. There, there's a lot of the feels these days. I, I see it in my organization. I'm sure you do, too. Uh, you know, the the involvement in in, in employee Comfort and satisfaction well, the, the point, has gone way up, I think, in the last five years. Yeah, the, the point with the 30 day thing is to point out that you kind of again, back to last week, you you don't don't feel bad about unplugging on your PTO. Don't right. feel guilty about having a discussion with some other company who wants to court you. Yeah. Don't feel bad about acknowledging the financial reality that, hey, boss man, look, I'm here and it's costing me 15 percent to be here over uh, you know over finding a new job because the right. market has moved i think we should discuss comp right and and you, right. that doesn't mean you have to beat this other offer it just means you got to give me a little something so that i feel good so that when i go back to my spouse when i look at my kids i know i'm doing right by them and i know that i'm bringing home you know what the what the market is willing to pay me mm -hmm. and I would rather do that here than somewhere else. I would rather stay here and stick with you and solve the tough problems and feel the satisfaction coming through the other side, having gone through that, than 
to just jump ship and go someplace else. Right. And most and my, employers my, actually I, want that. They, they actually welcome yeah. that. Um, yeah. my, it's a it's kind of a balancing act because on the one hand, aside from the aside from the the pointy hair, the occasional pointy hair boss that'll just like term you because, well, you know, he, he took another interview. So you get like, I, yeah, I that's that's I haven't that's talked to anybody rare. in a long time who's had that happen to them. That is not the common thing. That is, the, that is um, a rare exception, I think. But what is rampant is is and I see this all that even in my personal experience, I see this all the time. People unwilling to have that level of earnest conversation with their manager. You mean on and the I part think, of the employee being willing to to sit in the room and actually right, start on the, the conversation? Of, yeah, right. An employee being comfortable sitting down and saying, "Look at boss, here's what it is," and in good faith trying to have a discussion about that reality. Like, spoiler alert: you're not going to hurt your boss's feelings. <laughs> you should have that discussion. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's possible for you to get one of those. You know, most bad management isn't because the manager is mean or bad or you know evil or anything like that it's more I never attribute to malice what can be explained incompetence. by incompetence incompetence yeah. most times it's incompetence and so as long as you know that your manager has has their head on halfway straight chances are pretty good that they're gonna you know they're gonna listen yeah. to that conversation they're gonna approach it seriously because mm-hmm. they understand it we we deal with this day in and day out it's it's about it's a balancing act though because on the one hand you want as a manager you want that conversation you want to invite that on the other hand, you also don't want to be just proactively advertising every day. Hey, if you're thinking about leaving, come and talk to me. Like that's not a that's not a statement <laughs> right. that you want to make overtly you know, on any kind of routine basis. And so what you're because it, it sends while it's true, there's a lot tied up in that that can, you know, that can get you into other places that you don't want to necessarily go. You know, oh, what's he mean by that? Why are they doing this? Is there something wrong with the company? Is there something I should know? Maybe I should be looking, you know, and, and, and you don't want to do any of that kind of stuff because that's never the case either. And so you're you're left with what we're always left with, just being really trying to be really good at the job, being a, a servant leadership, being accessible, being friendly and approachable, not being heavy handed, being, you know, even keel uh, when you're, you're dealing with challenges and, and things like that. And it, as long as you're developing that sense of comfort, then employees will in theory be willing to to come and and uh, and talk to you so i i think that's the best you can do i don't know what do you think no i'm gonna agree with that <clears throat> and i have said in in different situations over history i have i have told people like look if you get to a point where you're thinking about leaving or you're you're having those doubts come talk to me right because it, it i, I want to understand the reasons because I want to fix those reasons before I mm-hmm. wind up losing people, assuming they are fixable. Um, and if they're not fixable, maybe I can help ease the pain with some other remedy that is kind of tangential to that. Or, you know, that, like I, I don't want to I don't want to be in a position where I'm only learning about things on exit interviews. We talked about that last week. Yep. Too. Yep. Um, I don't want that to be the first time I'm hearing about something I want to foster. And, and part of the reason I do that is to make it clear that you, you know, the scariest thing you want to talk about with your boss is, uh, is, is, um, you know, like, uh, I guess raises and promotions and departure, like that, that kind of existential job level discussion people get very nervous about, I think more than anything else in the professional day to day. For sure. Um, 
And the reason that I have said this in the past, come talk to me if you're thinking about if you're having doubts, you're thinking about leaving, come talk to me first, is to point out like, look, the scariest thing you're going to imagine having a discussion with me about in, in a realistic scenario is okay to come talk to me. And it thereby, in my thought, A, if somebody's willing to come do that, I would love to have that discussion before it gets there. And mm-hmm. people have come to me with that before, and I've been able to solve problems to the left of some kind of an exit event. Um, but the other thing is then it presupposes anything that is less worrisome or stressful than that, I am also approachable about. And so it's kind of like taking the taking the maximum, um, like the maximally extreme discussion and normalizing it and kind of then shifting everything else to the left also. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I have actually, I don't, you know, it's not like, uh, it's not like item number two on my agenda for our Monday morning call every, <laughs> every week, but in, in certain circumstances, I have, I have said that before. Yeah, I was going to say, so how, how have you done it? Have you done it on an individual basis or have you done it in a group setting or you know, like, uh, what's individual it? and small group even? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Nice. Yeah. I have. Yeah. And it's just uh, look, if it's something that if it's something that I can't control, if it's if it's if it's an issue that's big enough, that's going to cause you to look elsewhere and I can't control it. You and I both know you're going to wind up leaving eventually. So if I know you're looking, I can at least mentally prepare for that and have Mm -hmm. some contingencies in place. And so it's not catching me by surprise at the worst possible moment. And then anything else, anything to the left of this is an irreconcilable uh difference i can help you resolve it so that you and i don't have to go through the pain and stress of you finding a new job unnecessarily and that's the key unnecessarily because guess what sometimes some people just don't belong with certain companies and yeah, sometimes it's you're better off leaving you're better off leaving right it's that's a good idea for all involved but for everything else which is by the way the majority of the things um Let's open the conversation. Let's start talking about it. Let's try to solve those issues before they get to the point where you feel like they're irreconcilable or we've kind of crossed the Rubicon on them um, and we can't repair the damage that's been done. Mm-hmm. Yep. I get it. OK, that makes sense. And uh, I, I think that the uh, I, I think your caveat about not being a fit is, is a pretty good call out because, uh, you know, it, it, may, it may be unpopular right now, but the fact is. Companies are literally just collections of people. That's 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 all yeah. they are. And so, you know, I always say the, this. They're just clumps of people glued together under a logo. That's, under, it. that's it. And and anytime you get a group of people together under any roof, literally or figuratively, you're going to have people problems. And they're always yeah. the same kinds of things. And it's always it always boils down to differences in personality and style and approach and just, you know. The things that make personality each of us and perception, personality, and perception. Exactly. And uh, you, you're you're never going to get away from, from that. But that also I, I take that as, you know, if you're not a fit, OK, then you're not a fit. You should move on. That also should you should also take some solace in that. Chances are there's a place where you you will fit. You know, the team yeah, that lots I have of them, I would say lots of them. Yes. The team that I have right now, I was super excited to find because it was a team of a lot of like minded engineers. It was it was it was that engineering mindset. They had the same kinds of approaches to technical problems that had the same kinds of approaches to how the team should be organized, how the work should be organized, how they should support one another. There was a there was a a collective rejection of 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 politicking and turfing and all of those kinds of things. And yeah, and and 
that was that was really nice. And it was a concrete, fundamental part of what made this group of people and this team unique. There are different there are different at aspects and attributes like that with every organization, you know, and some of it. I, th- I think the key is trying to recognize the things that are absolutely fundamental and foundational, good and bad to the organization, the things that you're not going to be able to fix, right? Fix yeah. in air quotes, you know, the things you're not going to be able to change versus the things that are temporary, fleeting, or in some other way imposed that can be remedied. Um, yeah. that, that was, for me, that mm-hmm. was a really hard lesson that took me a long time to figure out that you know there are... There are certain things that are simply endemic, like you're not to figure going out, to to figure out and then and then next step actually get comfortable with. Because those right. are two different journeys, right? right. Yeah, you made a very I, I have used since you talked about it, I think it was two weeks ago. I have used it two or three times now about uh, and I don't think we were it was, I don't think it was on an episode and, and I want to make sure I give you credit for it um, uh, where you you raise the bar for yourself personally. You're always striving to do better and improve yourself. And at the same time, you're always lowering your expectations. Oh, yeah. Higher standards, lower expectations. There you go. Higher standards, lower expectations. It's absolutely true. And I I think that that's it's 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 very poignant and salient to a lot of different situations. You should always be pushing yourself. But. You also need to recognize that there are a lot of things that are outside your control for good and bad reasons. They just simply are. And as long as you are pushing yourself forward, the people around you are going to recognize that the people who are in a position to uh, understand and appreciate and recognize and do something, reward you for that. They're all going to see that. And then, you know, the other stuff, you just you got it. You just got to let it go. Like you have to yeah. let it go. That is the singular challenge that I have with new engineers coming when in you as consultants. And you and I have by both, the way. You and I have both said for many, many, many years, the trick, not just to business, but like life is managing expectations. Mm-hmm. If you do that well, sky's the limit, right? If you can manage expectations well, you, you have congratulations. You have a superpower. The trick the recent mental journey that I went on is realizing that that applies to me too. managing yeah. my own expectations Man- yes. that they don't get too high specifically. And I will be prescriptive here that they don't get too high. <laughs> I have that tendency. <laughs> I was just about to say managing your managing expectations of yourself and managing yeah. the expectations of others. Now to bring yeah. this back to a little more of the, of the, of the technical bent, uh, you know, so for engineers and it JavaScript and, sucks. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. <laughs> <laughs> the thing the, the, the where where I find that a lot of engineers and a lot of people in tech sectors fall down on this is where the business decision, the business realities and the business decision making informs the technical actions mm-hmm. that get made. And, and engineers, mm-hmm. they don't connect that dot. It's the, you know, when I talk about I, I talk about bridging the gap between business and non-technical people. This has always been my, my stock and trade when I'm when I'm talking about what I do best. It's connecting those two dots. The number of engineers that I see who have trouble with this is it's it, 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 it more it, infinite. Yeah. The, everybody has trouble with this because it, it's the technician mindset. There's the a correct way to do right. this and that's not it. Right. I'm trying to get them to understand. Uh, we've talked about this recently, that the technology serves the business, not itself. Correct. Right? There is there is an order of operations here. 
and I will as a as a manager, I will give you as many degrees of freedom as I possibly can to do your job well and to do technically the correct thing. Mm -hmm. I want you to be able to do that because we all as a recovering developer, I understand (laughs) how interesting and fulfilling that is. I want you to be able to do that within the degrees of freedom that I have. And that's not always it's it's just sometimes you have to and I'll I'll do little you know, you got to swipe the tech debt charge card Mm -hmm. and you got to do something you don't want to do that's not done the right way. Because the business demands that of us at this juncture. Well, here and here's the thing, and and this is the part that I think a lot of engineers have trouble with, and this is the thing that I that I I I, I try to hammer into my consultants too is that that tech debt charge card that you're swiping, it's not your charge card. It is the company's yeah. charge card. You are not personally assuming this debt. Yeah. The company is. You are doing what you can to avoid assuming that debt. You you, you are you know. I really don't think we should do in this. We should actually be over here. But once the decision is made, you are not at least directly assuming the responsibilities. Now, yes, if you're an employee and that decision comes back later and could be. Yeah, like I get that. I get that you might personally deal with fallout. And nobody wants to. And, and so that's at least part of the reason why you push for things to be done the right way, quote unquote. So that not diminishing that. But what you need to maintain is a level of mental separation from the consequences where, you know, the, the you know, the, the company itself is what actually needs to live with these decisions. And if the company is, in fact, making a whole lot of decisions that are going in a direction that you don't like, then you make the there, you that change may be things one of those basic incompatibilities, basic incompatibilities. Yeah. And, and OK, yeah. so I'm not I literally cannot. Live with this. I need to. I need to move on from it. But you know, the yeah. engineer, you, 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 the engineer mindset. You've, you've got to remember that the, like you said, it, it, the tech is informed by the business decisions. You can change the business decisions, but you have to recognize that hierarchy, the order of operations that's actually happening there, in order to actually do anything about it. Because if you're trying to change something that's informed by a business decision with technical knowledge. You're going to fall flat every time. Simple, most yeah. common example on the planet. This has happened everywhere. I think we've all seen this. Hey, we're using old, outdated language, old, outdated <laughs> framework, you know, whatever. You know, we it, should use dollar sign new technology. We should use this new thing. And here's all yeah. the technical benefits. Here's all the ways that new technology is demonstrably, factually, evident that it is great better. so i'm gonna spend seven hundred thousand dollars redeploying this whole huge thing because it's better technology and what's the return on my investment and that's where and that's that where they disconnect fall. that's exactly where the disconnect that's exactly lives exactly where they fall off and so you actually yeah. and and the thing is they you know engineers a a, a very um entrenched engineer mindset uh heads down engineers as we say a heads down engineer will focus in on all these technical benefits and and why is it get frustrated that these technical benefits don't carry the day because this is demonstrably better? Why would we want to do anything other than what's best? And the company has a desire to do what's best, but it's also counterbalanced by all of the incoming influences of of budget just, and time frame and staffing and all those other things. And you need to address, ignore the tech benefits, because honestly, the business doesn't care. Focus in on addressing the allow them to check off their business concerns and you don't even need to address the technical concerns. 
That's the I'm, thing. I'm just thinking off the, off the top of my head here, and I'm just going to say this, just think this out loud and roll with it and see what you, how it strikes you. Okay. You see, if I'm, and, and this is going to be like way like overgeneralizing borderline ageism. So like send your hate mail to Frank at whatever your domain is.com. <laughs> um, F. Cole, at, Ex- right? Example so, at so, example.com. F. F. Cole yeah, at example.com. Yeah. Send your hate mail to slash dev slash null. Um, <laughs> it's often you see a lot of excitement and you see a lot of action from younger people who are building systems. Mm-hmm. And you see, I think, a lot of more experienced people talking about fixing and maintaining systems. And I think that's not an accident because I think building a new system from scratch, like Greenfield. That's easier work. It's sure. more fun usually. It, yes. it can be more fun, but Absolutely. it is easier. Hands oh, down, yeah. it is easier work. And I think it requires more skill and experience and a defter hand the brownfield does. And mm-hmm. I, I wonder if there's not like some some point of maturity where not only not only do you start to see because everybody you're in you're probably writing software because you like solving problems with technology, right? At some point, I wonder if there's a break in a, a, a critical point in maturity where uh, where the average you know developer in the developer's lifecycle realizes that, oh, you know, the problems you have to solve in the brownfield can actually be more challenging and more demanding and more rewarding. Mm. And so not only not only am I not going to preclude opportunities that require lots of brownfield, but I may be happier to do them. Hmm. I wonder okay. if there's some correlation there between like, like not age, but like experience and like the I green field of brown. I wonder if there's, I don't know. I'm just, this is just kind of out loud. No, no, no. I like this. I, so I had a couple thoughts. Um, I, 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 you know, the conversation about the greenfield development versus uh, the brownfield, um, uh, uh, brownfield being uh, it's, it's not brand new. It's actually, you know, worn out. You know, sort of like legacy, you know, if you yeah, will. Well although trod, we don't have to use the L word here. Well trod ground kind of thing. Yes. Um, previously, okay. previously enjoyed software. <laughs> All right. So I, had, I, so I had a couple of thoughts right off the bat about this one. Gently loved software. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes not so gently. Um, so a couple of thoughts. Green is always fun. Whether you're a new developer or a senior developer, I think Greenfield is, is a lot of fun. That's one of the actual the draws for my team on the consulting side is uh, opportunities to do there. There is yeah. lots of green. Now there is actually lots of brown too. And when it's brown, it's really brown for, for on the consulting yeah. side. So we kind of go to the extremes on the consulting end. But anyway, so green work is always fun, no matter where you're at in your career. Brown is the reality. Any company that is successful is going to have standing existing systems that are in place yeah. for a whole host of reasons. So you're never so so you're never going to get away from it. It's something that you are going to have to deal with. And the goal is to improve that. And you can get little green patches where you're replacing yeah, I old outdated I portions. Think a lot of, so not not to interrupt you there, but but I think a lot of people they think like because we call it green field, I think a lot of people think grass and green is good and brown is dying. I like to think of it more as a tree, right? Okay. The green the green is what you see first, but the brown probably holds everything else up. It's firmer, uh, it's battle scarred, and it it probably is responsible. Oh, I never for thought of the, the opportunity. That way. 
Yeah, I okay. think and and okay, I can both get that. and a healthy business, healthy business, I think has both. Both, yeah, yeah. Green yeah. shoots, you know, coming out of the uh, the the well established, mm-hmm. you know, brown the trunks, you know, yeah. more firm. So just just point okay. of uh, point of personal privilege. I th- I like to think of a tree instead of a instead of grass, but I think most people visually. Because we say green field, think grass. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah. sorry to interrupt you there. No, no, no. I, I, I like that analogy. I'm glad you dropped it in. Um, you know, the, the brown is, 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 is structurally important. You know, like you're saying with your, yeah. with your tree thing here, you're, you're not going to get away from that. The, the, that's also where the business has its focus because that's where the money is being made or the money's being saved or the business is actually doing what it needs to do. So that has value to the company. And so, if you want to be valuable to the company, you go where the value is. Um, there's also the notion of being a capital expenditure versus an operating expenditure. Here's where brown mm-hmm. and green gets a little bit more iffy because, you know, if it, green development can be new stuff can actually be capital expenditure, you could be in the money making area. But you also have to be careful if you're doing new green development inside of operating expenditure costs. If you're a cost center, you're less likely. This here, here's another fact. Well, capex, capex, and opex is just whether or not you can, uh, whether or not you can amortize, whether or not it's deductible time. Basically, it's not not necessarily money making. Although I see your your argument. Yeah, I, I, from I, like a financial engineering standpoint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody it's, prefers capex because it's cheaper for the company. Yeah. Okay. So let me and yeah. and and, and, I, and I was actually blurring the two concepts. So, so so let me step away from that for a second and focus in on um, being a being a cost uh, a, a a cost project versus a revenue generating project. If you're doing right, a new project right. that will potentially bring in new customers or get customers right. bug cu- fix versus bringing new benefits to market because of the revenue potential of that activity. Right. Yeah. And this is why actually FYI, this is why companies always issue bug fixes in favor of new features because bug fixes because are bring in more money and features yeah. bring in more money. So that is, you will yeah. always, again, bridging that gap. You will always have that thing. You will always yeah. have that reality that you're going to have to address. And so the trick becomes, Tying. Well, it's two things then. If you're going to tie these two things together, it's it's two things, right? One, the greenfield is is probably capex, which is cheaper for the it's cheaper for the company to do that work, and it increases your revenue opportunity. So it's actually mm-hmm. a double win. Mm-hmm. As long as you're not be. losing people from the bugs, then the company legitimately the Does organization has zero has zero concern for those if it's not negative. causing yeah they have net yeah. negative interest in it if there if there is no discernible impact and so that's why you'll exactly hear, that's why that's why you'll get questions about okay well how many customer complaints have we gotten about it and mm-hmm. has it has it adversely affected the you know the renewal process for anyone did this come up as part of anyone doing um you know canceling oh our gosh. service and going yes. to another one so you that's that, Hallelujah. That, that's where you're seeing it, you know, so you, yeah. you that's you, you have to again, you have to acknowledge these these realities. So, um, you know, Brown is the reality. Brown is is the business focus. Brown tends to be legacy, tends to be more complex. So there are challenging problems to solve. They tend to be in older tech. And so that can that can be a negative, but a lot of times it's concept. A lot of times the the challenges are not tied to the tech intrinsically. It's a design flaw, usually because yeah. the th- invariably the prototype goes into production. You know, production, production. Yeah. I mean, that happens yeah, invariably. 
invariably the the charge card was swiped when that was built, whether intentionally or otherwise. Right. You know, because you let little Jimmy work on a core piece of tech and, and then he mocked it up. Because nobody else or, was available and he mocked it up and he had just started and right. didn't have anything else to right. do. Or... Or the, the, you know, the gray beards of yore said, no, look, we know this is suboptimal. It should last at least X years and we need the time it would take to go and do that right. We need that time more critically over here to solve this other problem that's going to mm-hmm. blow up a lot bigger, a lot sooner. And so you have, you know, because you have um, not usually a fan of fixed pie thinking, but if you think, all right, I have this deliverable this number of time, uh, this amount of time and this number of people like you got a fixed pie there and you've got to allocate your attention appropriately mm-hmm. yep yep that's uh, so um other things about the, the 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 brown there are opportunities to do greenfield inside of legacy systems and that's actually how if you want to actually replace a legacy system start with small patches you know i have a yeah my, my yard when i when i when i got my house my yard you've was, got a graft you've I, i'm really stretchy you got to graft the new plant onto the old one until it can take over the the load pretty pretty much yeah so when i when i bought my when i bought my house the the my yard was a crabgrass weed ridden nightmare and mm-hmm. i couldn't it was too big it took there there was literally it was too much time effort and money to do it all at once that i i didn't have the yeah. the available resources of time and money to tackle it all at once so mm-hmm. what i've done instead is I've done little bits and pieces. So I found like I went for the most offending areas that were just completely crabgrass, ripped those up and did seed. But it was like a little round patch and I you know planted and then I fertilized and things like that. And then I also did routine maintenance, you know, uh, annual weed and feed, you know, winterizing yeah. and things like that, which is equivalent to, say, your um uh, backlog pruning, you know, just like little things that you can do that just, you know, you can fit in, help take the edge off. Right. And so you just do these little bits at a time, uh, you know, so bringing this back to development, you or do little a little bits, maybe more accurately that, that stop the compounding. Yes. Yes. Is sometimes all you can do, but that is really effective over the long term. Stop the compounding or sometimes you can also turn the negative into a positive. If you actually have a, a detrimental piece and you can actually turn it into a beneficial piece. Um, you're miss uh, a piece of a uh, contrived example. You're um, uh, a piece of really buggy, kludgy code. You clean it up. And in doing so, you've now have you now have cleaner data metrics, which enable a more accurate reporting across dimensions. I've seen that before where, you know, the table structure made sense five years ago. Right, but so but everything's so there's where some of. There's there's where some of the uh, that's where some of the creativity comes in. I think of somebody with experience is able to say, okay, it's going to take us, let's say, I don't know, it's going to take us 600 hours to clean this module up. Okay, is that six is that 600 hours of OPEX because we're bug fixing and refactoring or is that 600 hours uh, or is it maybe 400 hours of CapEx and 200 of OPEX? Because we're going to go in and we're going to rewrite this module because we want to bring these new features to mm-hmm. market and bring our clients this benefit. And right. And so you, you can look at it and say, and to your point about turning a bad into a good yep. is not just, all right, like, can I can I get something else out of cleaning this up other than getting rid of the mess? 
can I leverage it? Can I do some financial engine? Like mm-hmm. what? And and some of that is just positioning and how you look at it and, and how you document things and how you think about that. And, and, you know, there's like different accounting regimes for like how you can uh, account for development being capitalizable and they're all mm-hmm. different. Everybody's got their own opinion and there's like strict rules around it in some circumstances. Sure. Not yeah, blah, yeah. Blah, blah, there's blah. lots of laws. No, and, no. Yeah, you let, I mean, use your accounting, use your accountant. But your point is, sure. your point is there can be opportunities for more than just how you look at it and what you are getting out of it as a as a, a contributor or as a dev team. But from a business perspective, the way that you think about approaching that work can be different if you look at it through this other lens. Yeah, and I think helping, you know, your point is like helping contributors particularly but think about things in that way is like super valuable activity i would actually take it a step further and i would actually say that the um if you want to to actually get if if you if you want to do a technical improvement or a greenfield whether it's whether it's brownfield into greenfield or you know pure greenfield development you have to bridge that gap you have to connect whatever fun tech that you've got to the business's goals and that's a learned process. That is something that takes time. But recognizing where the gaps happen, and we gave you a bunch of different examples in this episode about where those different, commonly those things happen, old tech versus new tech and things like that. Once you see those gaps and then you start talking about it, talking about whatever you want to do on the other side of the chasm, this stuff I find can solve itself. Yeah, it, it certainly does kind of blend into part of the workflow and you can you can really make a lot of uh positive momentum with oh 100 yeah yeah totally yeah. it's 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 just you know you you got to be able to like you got to stitch it together you, you, you can't sit on the tech side you've got to talk to the business in their Bridge language the gap. it's like going Bridge to a foreign country and speaking the native language you're going to have a way easier time getting things done than if you're you know asking questions in english about where the bathroom is yeah, <laughs> except except if you are American, uh, you get dirty looks if you speak English. You get dirty looks if you try speaking the native tongue, uh, because people just don't like Americans. And the, you know, sorry, <laughs> sorry about your luck. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been another great episode of uh, Refactored. Um, if uh, for show notes and uh, information, more episodes, you can actually listen to episodes live on the uh, live on the site. Go to refactored.work. Uh, if you have information, if you uh, comments, questions, concerns, wisecracks, you can send those to feedback at refactored.work. We'll take uh, recordings too and uh, publish those on the show. Uh, for Chris's musings on the internet, you can go to Chris.tonks. Is it Chris.tonks? I keep asking this question. Chris.tonkinson.com. Yeah. I have to get that redirect fixed. Oh, yeah, it works. It's clever. Uh, for uh, for my writing, you can go to www.hotcoals.com. Uh, again, this was episode 31 of the Refactor Podcast. Thanks again, Chris. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week. Cheers.